It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rams Nation, what's happening? What's good? It's your boy, Bear Motter from Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On Rams. We've got an awesome show for you today. We've got Vinny Bonsignor on the show. He's going to talk to us about a lot of things. We had an awesome conversation with him earlier talking all things Rams, from what's going on with the outside linebacker position, what we're going to do about the backup quarterback dilemma we seem to have, and then of course we'll talk some predictions. So that's coming up here in a minute. But before we get to that, make sure to hit the subscribe button, guys. We're on iTunes, Spotify, really wherever you find podcasts to download. We are there. Remember to reach out to us at LockdownRams at gmail.com, on Instagram and Twitter at LockdownRams, and then my personal at LA underscore Rambling Bear. Questions, comments, concerns, always welcome over here. We'll talk about it on the show. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Rand Got Beats. He reached out to me on Twitter. He's listening all the way from Philadelphia. So what's up on the East Coast, man? Holding it down out there. I love it. Go give him a follow on Twitter. That's R-A-N underscore 215 Beats with a Z at the end. He's always posting Rams content. So thanks for the shout out. Appreciate you listening. And hold it down for us out there in Philly, man. About to make a push for that Super Bowl out on the West Coast. We've got some exciting stuff coming up on the show in the next couple weeks, which I'll continue to talk about. Uh, bringing on some awesome guests, obviously, like we have Vinny today. Before we kick over to that interview, I do want to talk a little bit about practice that went on today. I just heard from Wade Phillips in his press conference. Uh, he said he's excited to get some players out there and get them some action. He knows that uh, since he came in the league, which he joked they had leather helmets back then, he mentioned the fourth game used to be the game to really let your starters get out there and, and hype it up and get ready for the season. Uh, but now kind of acknowledge that things are a lot different, that you want to sit some starters at the first couple games, and then uh, game three, you want to crank them up a little bit, get some action. So he's excited, as, as we are, to see some players out there. We talk about that coming up with Vinny as well and, and how to approach that. It's, everyone's got their own envision on how that should go, but it sounds like Wade and, and the other coaches are excited to get them out there and get some run in the third preseason game against the Houston Texans. So if you're out there, and you're free, join Rams Nation and cheering on our Rams on Saturday. And actually, I had another one of our listeners, got to give a shout out to him. Our boy Ranko, who we've had on the show in the past, come on and talk about uh, his fandom for the Rams. He's got two tickets to the game this Saturday, so if anyone's looking to go, he offered them up and said, hey, if you can't go, Bear, give them off to some of your listeners over on the podcast. So unfortunately, I'm going to be on a flight to the Midwest uh, on Saturday. So if anyone wants to go hit me up again on Twitter, Gmail, whatever it is, and I've got two tickets. If he's still got them available, we'll throw them your way. So big ups to Ranko for coming out and uh, giving up some tickets that he can't make it. Go give him a follow on Twitter. That's Ranko, R-A-N-K-O 74. A couple other things that came out in the presser today after practice. Wade talked about Longacre and easily playing the outside linebacker position said both those guys should be ready for week one, easily back at practice, and they're going to slowly work Longacre back into some action. So that's some good news. I know Junior Gallette, as we talked yesterday about him, as far as coming in to have a visit with the Rams through some cryptic message on Twitter. doesn't sound like everything worked out. Went up to Seattle. Don't think that worked out either. I saw even on his Twitter he was 
kind of pitching to maybe go back to the Redskins. So you never know what's going to happen. There's still a lot of time before the season kicks in. Maybe the Rams go back and think about adding him, but I don't know if the physical didn't go well. Um, you know, he talked about he's played a whole full season last year. There's been some concerns about his Achilles, but you know, he's got confidence, said he'd even play on special teams. He would sign a waiver that said if he got hurt that he would get no money. So he's really betting on himself right now, but the Rams decided it wasn't a good fit for them as for now. And, you know, Wade kind of mentioned, you know, they're excited about moving easily to an outside linebacker position. Usually he played a little bit more inside in the past, but with his speed and size, they're really excited for the things that he can do on the outside. He even kind of made comparisons to Mario Williams back in the days when he was with the Houston Texans. So hopefully we can see some of those guys, one, getting healthy and really two, filling that position and a need that it looks like the Rams are in right now. Uh, one last thing that I loved from the press conference, they asked about Marcus Peters and one of the reporters asked about him gambling and how you know Wade feels about that as him as a playmaker. And, and Wade kind of actually referenced uh, Marcus Peter as more of the casino than the actual gambler himself, that he puts himself in the good position. And if you keep going in a certain way, he's going to win every time. So uh, I loved hearing that. loved hearing Wade uh, having these two awesome guys. Kind of also talked about Tlaib and all the playmaking ability he has on the outside. And, and once they get Aaron Donald in there working with Sue, that this team can really take off. So excited anytime you hear a defensive coordinator really start to get excited about this group. So awesome stuff there. Not many other updates as far as injuries and what's going on and uh, McVay hasn't really addressed the media yet as far as official playing time, but we're all kind of under the impression that's going to happen. So with that being said, I'll just jump over to the conversation I had earlier today with Vinny Bonsignor. You can find him on The Athletic. He's a new writer for them. We talk about that. So guys, make sure to go check that out. They're a friend of ours over here at the Lockdown Network. You can get a really cheap subscription and get awesome content from writers all around the country, uh, such as Vinny. So make sure to give that a check. So with a quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll slide on over to that interview I had earlier today with Vinny Bonsignor. Hope you guys enjoy. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry, you can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some 
pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back, and I am very excited about our next guest joining the show. You may know him from his coverage of the Rams. He's Los Angeles Rams beat writer for The Athletic here in Los Angeles and ESPN insider for LAAM 570 Sports. Vinny Bonziger, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's actually uh, AM570, uh, not ESPN, but no problem. Just uh, just want to make sure uh, that, that's, uh, that gets out there. <laughs> no, definitely worry. AM570, sorry, I, I wrote that down wrong. Uh, well, first off, congratulations on the new gig with the Athletic. Real quick before we get going, uh, why don't you tell everyone about you know what's going on over there and how people can find you and get involved and things like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, the Athletic um, is, is making a bold statement. Um, you know, it started off uh, with with hockey and NBA basketball and obviously baseball this past year, and uh, it's really, really trying to uh, and will. Uh, may have get a footprint, a, a legitimate footprint um, in NFL coverage. Uh, yesterday, they announced a slew of hiring across the country uh, in various markets. I came aboard uh, earlier this month to cover the Rams. Um, it's it's something that I believe is is the way of the future. Um, it's reasonably priced. You know, I spoke to somebody on Twitter uh, today. You know that uh, that was asking about you know the, the cost of it, and I was like, you know subscriptions have been around as long as newspapers have been around. You right. always, when, it, when the, when the newspaper came on, you know, arrived at your doorstep, that didn't happen for free. And the people <laughs> that wrote the stories and put the paper together and delivered the paper, it's, you know, they're, they're, it costs money uh, to pay those people. So uh, this notion that this is some sort of a, a new way is really not um, accurate. Uh, it's just so happens the way technology worked and uh, how it all kind of uh, came about. But I think that people are understanding the importance of a nominal fee uh, to pay for great coverage. And I think the athletic um, is, is going to provide that already is providing that will continue to provide that. And I'm honored to be aboard. Awesome. Well, we're excited to see uh, the coverage that you do with the athletic. And like you said, uh, I think on lockdown right now, we've got a deal going with you guys where it's like two ninety nine to just to get started. So it's, it's a great deal if you guys are trying to get some good coverage. Uh, I saw them trending on Twitter the other day as they did a bunch of those releases of some of the new writers that they have. So they're, yep. they're uh, swallowing up a bunch of awesome people right now. So you got in early, and I'm excited to uh, read your stuff you do on over there at The Athletic. You always do a great job covering the Rams. So Rams Nation appreciates it. I know on Twitter you're kind of fun to follow because you're – one of the few people that actually goes a little back and forth with people. You know, I think when they, when, when that internet troll thinks no one's going to respond to this, you'll, you'll kind of jump in there and, uh, you know, prove your point or whatnot. So it's fun to follow you on Twitter as well. It's the Italian in me. We like to argue. So, uh, <laughs> you know, my thing is, uh, as long as it's clean and it doesn't cross any lines of, uh, of, of threats or anything, threats or anything like that, I'm cool with, with dealing with people and talking to people. You know, w- we do this for... Uh, our readers and and fans and and I get it. You know, I grew up a sports fan, obviously, and I know what passion is all about. I grew up in a family of passionate sports fans, and everyone has an opinion. Everyone wants to talk about it, and I and I feel like uh, if they want to if they want to chime in on on me and ask me questions or or challenge a story that I wrote, uh, they're they're um, you know good enough uh, to, to want to, to read my stories, I should be able to uh, be mad enough or, or whatever enough uh, to respond when they, when they reach out, and I have no problems doing it. 
Well, it makes for some good Twitter. And speaking of that good Twitter, you know, we'll talk. We'll start with a topic that you're extremely familiar with. And uh, how excited are you that the Rams and the NFL finally listened to everybody out here in LA on the whole jersey drama? And you don't have to answer that question. You know, every third question on Twitter. What are your thoughts on the jerseys this year? Yeah, no question about that. Um, you know, that was a hot topic. And, um, you know, I think I, I think that there's various reasons for that. Um, you know, when the Rams came back to Los Angeles, um, you know, it, it's not like a, a situation where a team moved to a brand new market. Um, so, to speak. yes, it's been 21 years or it was 21 years. Um, but this was their home market for 40, almost 50 years. Uh, and, and the fans here identified have identified with the Rams with a certain color and a certain uh, uh, uniform scheme. And, and uh, they came back wearing the St. Louis colors, which, you know, nothing against St. Louis, but uh, in fact, we were talking about this the other day. I was talking to some Raider officials, and, and they couldn't understand how the Rams went from winning the Super Bowl in St. Louis to, I think, the very next year changing um, their brand and changing their colors, which was a, seemed to me an odd time to, to do that. And if you really look at those years in those uniforms that they brought back to, uh, to Los Angeles with them, they were terrible years. So <laughs> on top of the fact that L.A. fans looked at that as a St. Louis uh, color set and it embodied the worst era of football almost in the history of football, I think, uh, there was, it was a, a double-edged sword right there or, or multiple-level uh, weapon that fans just could not tolerate. And they've been begging the begging and begging the NFL, hey, just let the Rams wear their throwbacks. And, and it just seemed like such an easy switch. Something, Somebody in some office in New York City on Park Avenue just needed to say, okay, sure, why not? What's the big deal? Um, they fought for a little while, but I think the NFL finally relented, obviously, and uh, on coverage by us and, and letters that the fans and emails that the fans sent to, uh, to the NFL offices. They finally got the message, and now we're, we've averted that disaster, and we can all move on with our lives. Until <laughs> 2020, when the Rams unveil their, their, their new uniforms, which um, may look a lot like what they're currently wearing or may not look a lot like what they're currently wearing. So, so uh, that's going to be a, uh, a big deal in a, in, a, in a couple of years. And I talked to Kevin Demoff, who's one of the guys that's in charge of that. And I asked him if he felt any pressure uh, about that decision, and yes, he does feel pressure about that decision, but he's going to consult with the fans. He's going to consult with Nike. He's going to consult with his own people, players, everybody to try to get a consensus on what the new uniforms should look like in the brand new building that they're opening up in Englewood. Yeah, he's not going to be uh, short of having people, you know, put in their opinions, which is great. And it sounds like at least he's open to hearing from people, which I think is key because when they finally make that decision, you know, it sounds like it will be in, in a part a group decision. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how they transition a couple years because they finally got everyone excited and back on board. So if they stay close to that, I think they'll do all right. And they're going to have a big, shiny stadium to distract some of that, too, as well. So hopefully... Uh, they hit the home run on a few of those things. The one thing they did hit a home run on was obviously Sean McVay. You talked about those dark days uh, not too long ago, and now we are completely flipped around, and you know the, the light couldn't be brighter out here in L.A. with Sean McVay. And one of the topics that people are talking about right now is we're dying to see this football team that they've built in the offseason get on the field, and you know he's hinted uh, that this week will be the week that we'll see some starters hit the field, uh, preseason game three versus the Houston Texans. What's your take on this? Is it worth seeing you know, our starters out there for 10, 14 plays, or do you think uh, we should sit them and wait for week one and go in healthy? Well, first of all, 
patience, grasshoppers. Just yeah. let it play out. There's no reason to have played Jared Goff or any other starter those first two weeks. And I'll, I'll take you back definitely like last week because you know, you're talking about opening the season against the Raiders in a couple of weeks. There's no way that any of the starters uh, would have been playing or should have been playing. And then a week before in Baltimore, I think fans really need to understand uh, there were two hard, uh, physical, intense practices against the Ravens on Monday and Tuesday leading up to that game in Baltimore. And uh, Jared Goff and the starters got endless amounts of reps against the Baltimore Ravens' first-team defense. Um, given the work that was put in in the two days in those two joint practices, there was really no reason to run Jared Goff and the starters out there for one you know, meaningless series. So there was uh, prudence in both decisions by Sean McVay. Uh, the Ravens game and the Raiders game. I do believe, um, and, and Sean definitely uh, implied uh, pretty forcefully that, that starters will play on Saturday, which is what you would expect. It's the third preseason game. It's really going to be their last chance to, to do a little bit of a dress rehearsal, and we'll get a chance to see um, you know, some of the main players. I don't expect to see some of the older guys. Andrew Whitworth, you could probably expect him uh, to be uh, on the sidelines watching. Probably John Sullivan, uh, Sean alluded to him as well. Um, but I think you are going to see everyone else, all the other key starters, and you'll get a chance you know, for at least a couple of quarters, I would imagine, uh, to see those guys in, in action and get a little preview before they get put back in bubble wrap. Uh, for another week, and uh, we're all just going to have to wait uh, until September 10th when the Rams open uh, against the Raiders to see the starters uh, fast and furious. Yeah, you made some good points there. You're right. We got some solid work in over in Baltimore, which almost simulated uh, you know, real-time game action for them. And then this last week was really funky with playing the Raiders, and you don't really want to give much up. So, yeah, good points there as far as getting to this third preseason and hopefully seeing a little bit of those guys, because I know they're itching to get in there and get some – you know, get some work in. So we'll see how they approach that and how many, you know, snaps they end up getting. Um, as you kind of said, easy grasshopper on that last one. I'm, I'm kind of leading you in here to another one that, uh, you know, us and the fans, we love hearing, you know, power rankings and lists. And even if we don't believe in them or buy into them, it's, it's <laughs> clickbait. They get this, right? So Bleacher Report came out with an article today that named the Rams the number one team in their power rankings, moved them up a couple spots. Is this a little premature, or how do you see the Rams fitting in nationally as far as power rankings with the teams that are out there? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, whether it's number one, two, or, or three, the Rams are right up there um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I, we're going to have to wait and see until the first couple of weeks to see who's legitimately, at least through that phase of the season, number one. But somebody has to start number one, and I don't see any reason uh, why it shouldn't be uh, the Rams, especially if Aaron Donald uh, comes in one way or another on a new long-term deal or just to play the season out. Um, I think that they're as set up uh, as anybody um, to have a, a great season and to be a team that uh, makes a legitimate run, uh, you know, not only for their division championship or the NFC playoffs, but uh, into and through the Super Bowl. So uh, there are expectations. You feel it um, talking to the players. They embrace it. There's nobody that's running away. From any of this, yes, they're keeping it in perspective. Yes, they're saying the right things. It's one practice at a time, one game at a time, et cetera, et cetera. But I go back to last year um, when the Rams were in the process in real time of turning the corner. And for me, it was the Dallas Cowboys game when they went into Dallas and beat right. the Cowboys. I felt like I remember walking away from that stadium uh, to my car to head back to the hotel thinking, if that's the Rams right there, that's a playoff team. I mean, they, they uh, displayed every asset that you would look for for a credible playoff type of a team. But 
you know, obviously more seasons had to be played. And, and the more they won, the more the Rams were wearing it perfectly well. And there was no surprise. There was no fear of the other shoe falling. It was just, hey, this is how good we are. We are this good. Um, we should be doing this. There's no, uh, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? And that's carried over into this season. And, and not only that, but, um, you know, they've added really good players in Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib and Indomitian Sue uh, and Brandon Cooks uh, and a pretty decent, so far it looks like, a uh, young rookie class, of, especially of offensive linemen. So there's no reason to think that this can't be a team that's every bit as good as what Bleacher Report um, is listing them as. And not only just from the outside, from the inside, you feel that confidence uh, and that conviction that they are that good. Yeah, that's the exciting thing, as you said. I mean, that Dallas game last year, you really started to pick up that swagger, and I really think it propelled them for all those road victories. That was one of their first big road victories, and they looked so comfortable there on out playing on the road, and to hear that that's transitioning into this year and adding even more pieces and everything we hear from you guys out at camp is that those guys are even gelling and, and continue to grow. So it's exciting stuff for this upcoming season. We're going to step aside really quick to get a word from our sponsor and we'll be back with more Vinny on the other side. All right, we're back Rams Nation. Uh, Vinny, want to keep asking you about this team. We've talked about the offense. You named some of the big guys that are going to be back this coming year uh, that are new additions as well. Uh, talk to me about that defense. There's tons of new faces. Who's, who do you think Ram fans at the end of the year are going to say, man, we couldn't have gotten this far without this guy? Boy, there's a there's a few. Um, I think that uh, when 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 you do see Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib on the field together, and especially in conjunction with when Aaron Donald uh, gets back here, a, a dominant defensive line. When you see that working together, that tandem working together, you know whether it's the the coverage uh, players providing more time for the pass rush or the pass rush, you know, pushing a quarterback into making a throw into, into coverage, into, into tight coverage, it's going to go hand in hand. I can't necessarily say one guy, but just the, um, the play of those two cornerbacks, I think is going to be enlightening. And I, I see it every day in practice, and which is why I think that Jared Goff is really benefiting from this because there's some tight windows that he's making throws into. Right. Some that are being completed, some that aren't, and really no fault of his own. It's just really good coverage uh, on their part, not just those two, but you know, LaMarcus Joyner and John Johnson and uh, Nikkel Roby Coleman and, and on and on and on. This is a really good secondary and obviously a good defensive line, and Jared's working against this every day, and I think doing really well against it, even though there have been some ups and downs, rightfully so. But those two cornerbacks, to me, are the ones that I'm most excited to see um, you know, on a play-by-play a uh, week-by-week basis. So a small follow-up to that would be, you know, the the big names, the guys we're really excited about that are getting a lot of the coverage. Um, who are some guys you think the Rams fans are going to be bragging about at the end of the year that we haven't heard a lot about? Maybe a guy that's going to really find his way this year and become a really important piece to that Rams defense? Well, I think, you know, and, and Rams fans are very aware of them already uh, after a really solid rookie season. But John Johnson, the, the safety from Boston College, um, you know, I think he's primed for uh, a, a step forward. You know, we can obviously t- you have to talk about Samson uh, Ibukum. I always forget if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not. There's a million different ways that everyone <laughs> says it. Yeah. So that's what I'm going with. There you go and with Phil it. Samson, yeah, Phil <laughs> Samson says that's not right. Uh, I'm going to roll with it. But uh, but he has all the tools that you want to see from a, a young pass rush edge type of a player. Now he just has to put it all together uh, on a on a week to week basis. I'm interested to see if. 
in extended time if he's going to hold up um, and be a viable NFL outside linebacker. You know, obviously, Corey Littleton inside as well, taking over for Alec Ogletree. There's responsibility there that goes beyond just his, um, you know, what he's supposed to do on a particular play. He's calling the defense, and so he's got to be able to, uh, to, to communicate and to get that message to his teammates and then focus on what he's supposed to do. So there's, there's going to be a learning curve there. How does he respond to that? So those would be the three kind of newcomers. We don't know who's going to be the other outside linebacker. That's a cause for concern right now. You know, there's injuries that have hampered Morgan Fox and Matt Longacre uh, and the rookie from Oklahoma uh, who broke his foot and doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon, unfortunately, or, you know, relatively soon. So there's uncertainty at outside linebacker. It'll be fascinating to see who emerges there. Uh, but I think they have enough elsewhere that even with some of these you know, newcomers being uh, in place uh, as they learn their way and as they complete their learning curve. Uh, I think there's enough around them to absorb that process. And then hopefully by, you know, mid-season or so, these guys are hitting their strides and comfortable now um, and, and, and being every bit as effective as, as their teammates. Yeah, and you talked about that other outside linebacker position, maybe a little bit cause for concern. There seems to be this buzz around, obviously, Junior Gallette was in the other day, and then just kind of reading his cryptic tweets, it sounded like it, it, it's not really going the direction as him joining the Rams. McVay kind of led on to it as well and said, you know, things were looking good, but uh, he's up in Seattle right now, so can't imagine that things were going all too well at this point. Is there really a need to bring in somebody at this point, or do you think with who we have we can you know, make do and, and someone's just going to have to step up? Or do you think they're really going to go out and try to add someone out there? Well, um, obviously they're, they're on the lookout as they should be. Um, you know, the, the, you should always be, you know, uh, kicking the tires to try to figure out a way to make your team better. I personally think they ought to be looking for a better backup quarterback. That's just me. Um, but I can see the reasoning why. I mean, there's, there is uncertainty and, you know, they've been dealt a pretty, pretty uh, bad deck of cards or a hand of cards. As far as the injuries go, um, you know, with the, with the guys that they were counting on uh, to be in that mix, so um, so yeah, it makes sense that they're looking outside their building to see if anything's out there that could be better than what they already have. But like you said, Junior's up in Seattle, so it didn't look like um, you know that that went you know well for him at least. So, um, but I don't doubt for a second that you know as we get into the final cuts and players become more available, um, you know, across the league, that they're not going to take a look um, at, at what might be available at that position to, to try to upgrade or at least get them through the first part of the season as they wait on other guys to, to show that they're fully healthy and ready to go. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different now that you know, you're allowed to carry 90 players all the way up till past the last preseason game. It kind of makes things like this. In the past, you'd kind of be picking up players as you go, and there was a lot more um, circulation there, but now you kind of have to wait a little bit to see how things shake out and add people a little bit later in camp. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up in your the beginning of your answer was about the the backup quarterback spot because that's my next question is you know Mannion played better this game but again it was so vanilla and there was even times where you could tell in the play calling it was near the end of the half uh, that we went really conservative and just trying to get a field goal get some points and get out there so you know he did his job and what he was supposed to do but he hasn't impressed you know majorly in any way and neither has Allen so. Where do you think we stand on that? Is that someone, you know, I mean, there's been talks about Teddy Bridgewater or RG3. Uh, do we need somebody? Are we good with Mannion? What are your thoughts on that? Well, here's my thing. Uh, do, do the Rams need somebody? I'd hate for them to be in a position where they retroactively find out that, yes, they need somebody. Right. Um, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like 
if it gets to a point, knock on wood for Jared, that something were to happen, either you know whether it's a short term or, or long term, um, you know, and then you find out at that point, man, we really needed to have a, to, to have made this position better. That's the fear, and that's the concern that I would have because I just haven't seen it from Sean, and it's, it goes beyond just you know uh, the, the games that he's played so far this year. Even though, in my estimation. I don't care whether it's a vanilla offense. I don't care who he's playing with. I don't even care who he's playing against. Going into your fourth season, if you're a, a legitimate guy that you produce when called upon, you don't need to go 9-1, and one, but at least keep your team competitive, you should be able to be out there making plays in any kind of a situation in the preseason. If you're a good NFL quarterback, you'll find a way to flash here and there. Um, okay, good. All right, yeah, we're good with that. Yes, okay, you know, we – Considering the circumstances, we didn't expect a whole lot, but he showed enough right there. He just hasn't shown, to me, anything along those lines. And that's what gives me so much cause for concern and, and would make me, if I'm the Rams, seriously take a look at maybe a Teddy Bridgewater. It looks like, you know, if you do the math with the Jets, you know, they're not getting rid of Darnold um, and, and McGowan, their backup, is paid being paid, you know, a pretty little penny. So I can't see either of those guys being off the roster. Are they really going to keep three quarterbacks? This is that doesn't seem feasible for them. I could see them trying to flip Teddy for for something. Um, and I think the the Rams, at the very least, need to be in on that conversation because again, you don't want to get to a point uh, if if worse comes to worse, Sean Manning, and he's got nothing to give you. And maybe that's the reason why you don't make the playoffs. Maybe. Look at the Raiders a couple of years ago. Uh, they're flying high. People are talking about them making a prolonged you know, playoff run, maybe even a Super Bowl run. And all of a sudden, Derek Carr goes down, what, the second to the last game of the season or the last game of the season, right, right around there, and the wheels completely fell off. And I remember talking to Mark Davis basically this time last year, and he was livid. He's like, that should never happen. We need to have every base covered, whether it's your – long snapper or your second string quarterback it can't get to a point where one guy goes out and the whole season comes to a crashing halt the rams you know and we we saw last year with the vikings and we saw last year with the philadelphia eagles seasons don't need to be lost uh and dreams don't need to be squashed when your starting quarterback goes out you know case keenum comes in with the vikings and they go what 13 and 3 with them uh, Nick Foles comes in with the Eagles um, when everyone's saying it's over for the Eagles, and lo and behold, they go to the Super Bowl, and he's the MVP of the Super Bowl. Right. So you don't have to look very far to see situations where teams did the right thing with their backup quarterback situation, and it paid off for them. Um, you know, when when something bad happened to their starting quarterback. Yeah, two great examples going both ways. The Raiders, you're right, were on a roll that year. And then just, you know, literally died as Carr was brought off the field. And then the, you know, Nick Foles going to win the Super Bowl. So you're right. You got to have that covered. It's something you don't want to think about, something you don't want to deal with. Uh, but if it, there is that short period of time, and if it happens to be at the end of the season when you need a couple of those wins or the wins are really important, uh, you hate to be stuck there with someone that can't move the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Rams do there. We know in the past they're not afraid to. Uh, make trades and give up some draft picks. I don't know what you know what the market is really for Teddy at this point. If it's a you know fourth, fifth, sixth, or somewhere in that side, I'm sure it's on on that end of it. But uh, the Rams have been aggressive in the past with stuff like that, so we'll see how they end up doing there. One thing to add, real quick. I'm sorry uh, to cut you off right there, but one thing when you talk to Rams people, um, 
you know, uh, is there uncertainty from them on, on, on Sean? I think there's uncertainty anytime you're talking about a backup quarterback. You know, statistically, in spite of what happened with the Vikings and in spite of what happened with the Eagles, generally speaking, it's not a good situation when your starting quarterback goes out, no matter who the backup is. Um, you're probably going to have issues. Uh, but from the Rams' perspective, when I've talked to, to them, there is a confidence and a conviction inside their building that, you know what, our head coach is so good offensively. Uh, we feel good that, I wouldn't say no matter who the quarterback is, but even you know, even with an unknown guy like a Sean Manning who's basically unknown, Sean is good. Sean, uh, you know, McVeigh is good enough to coach it up, to coach the offense up, to put him in a good position so that they can be competitive um, if it came to that. So now, on one hand, I agree. I think Sean McVeigh is that good of a coach. But, gosh, I just don't want to see <laughs> the whole season yeah. come down to that and, and, and put that all those eggs in that bag, in that, in that basket, and have it sort of blow up in your face. No, it's a good point. The Sean McVay effect, and you know, my co-host James was saying that the other day as we were talking about this and debating back and forth. Is he said, you know what? If if Sean believes in him, and you know, I feel a lot better with that than we did a couple years ago with you know where we we're at with Jeff Fisher, and you know, everyone was you know debating everything he did. But uh, yeah, it's funny what <laughs> a little bit of, of winning will do, and and that yeah, Sean McVay effect, man. He's just fun to listen to, and you really trust his offensive mind. So. Something to keep an eye on and see how they move it. Uh, again, before I let you get out of here, uh, you know we talked about it earlier with the rankings. Uh, you can call it fortune telling, predictions, things like that. Things we love to talk about. How do you see this season playing out? Maybe a win loss record for the Rams. It's tough on the win loss. They're, you know, obviously their their schedule is pretty good this year. Pretty tough, I should say. Um, I think they're going to do better at home. Um, I, I think that they probably learned a little bit of a lessons or. or figured out, you know, what they need to do to be successful, more successful at home. So, I, you know, I, do we expect them to win as many road games as they did last year? They kind of um, put the script on, on how you're supposed to go about it last year. So they get back to the more uh, normal way of doing it where you're good at home and, you know, uh, just sort of average on the road. But if you were to ask me for sure, what, what I, I think they're going to end up with relatively the same record uh, as last year, maybe one more win. Um, I think that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're even better. It would not surprise me if they went 13-3. and three. Uh, But the schedule is pretty tough. They don't do as much traveling. That's going to help. A lot of their games, most of them uh, are on this side of the country. Uh, there's a, you know, a Detroit and a Chicago uh, and New Orleans, but I think that's about as far as they go uh, East Coast-wise and, and time zone-wise. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to just say 10 and 6, 11 and 5. I'm going to go right. there. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't uh, I, I'm not going to get pinned down on one or the other, but right around that area. All and right. I do win the NFC West. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 10, 11 wins. Uh, no complaints here. I know expectations continue to always rise as, as you know, you, you continue to build solid players in a great uh, season last year, but I like that 11 wins, win the division, uh, those are uh, obtainable goals. So, uh, Vinny, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Door's always open anytime you want to come chat. Before we get out of here, let everyone know again where they can find uh, anything you're doing from Twitter to uh, The Athletic. Uh, well, it's at Vinny Bonsignor uh, on Twitter. I had to change that, and I'm still getting used to the new uh, the new handle there. Um, and then uh, uh, The Athletic uh, LA, at, athletic, uh, at The Athletic LA, or at The Athletic uh, HQ um, on, on Twitter. Uh, I urge everybody um, to, to take a look at The Athletic. Uh, go online, Google it. Um, it uh, it's at The Athletic. 
Um, and there's deals all the time for, uh, for great subscription prices. There's one going on right now. It's under $4 uh, for a yearly subscription. That's less than you'd probably pay for uh, many newspapers out there. Uh, and we're giving you coverage um, across the country at, in all sports, the NFL, NBA, NHL, baseball. So for $4 a month or a little bit less than $4 a month, you can get Rams coverage. But also if you're a fan of the Minnesota Twins or the New York Yankees or whoever, it's right there available for you as well with really great writers uh, and great coverage. So uh, well worth uh, the nominal expense. Awesome. I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll second that as well. Guys, go check it out. It's, uh, you guys are really doing a great thing over there at The Athletic. We're glad that you joined them. And like I said, anytime you want to come on and chat, let me know. And uh, until next time, Vinny, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. And you got my number, so call me anytime. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, Locked On listeners. You already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.